Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, you are listening to a Rad Religion Broadcasting premier podcast, Damn You Hollywood. And here's your host. It's a 45 degree angle, Mark. There we go. It's not that complicated. <laughs> here's your host, Robert Winfrey. Yay! Hello, everyone. As Mark mentioned, this is Damn You Hollywood. I'm Robert. How y'all doing out there? Hope you're having a good time. Because we're going to talk about a movie that, well, not so conducive to a good time. And we'll get into the specifics, but we are discussing tonight Fantastic Beasts, The Secrets of Dumbledore, which have nothing to do with Fantastic Beasts, or where you might locate them. And I will discuss the direction that this particular franchise has taken when we get to it. But in the interim, we have a couple of guests. First up, he's been here before. He knows most of what's going on around him at any given point in time. Jason Teasley, how you doing? I know most of what. I'm the protocol son. That's right. As Mark likes to call me. Um, I'm doing good, man. Doing good. Happy to be a part of Damn You Hollywood again, as always. Jason always gets the gold star recommendation from me because he calls his podcast like six months to a year in advance. I just get a list. And he's like, all right, Jason, you beat literally everybody to the punch tonight. So, and Jason, I right. you brought you brought along a guest. You brought your I own did. guest to my show. I did. Uh, coming from the other end of the house, <laughs> joining us for the first time, her first time ever on Damn You Hollywood, my wife, Amber. Hello, everybody. Hey Amber. <laughs> um uh, I'm a, it's my show, I'll part your wife if I want to. Now listen, I understand you do a podcast of your own. Before we get into it, just tell people who you are, what your podcast is, where they can find you. Not an official plug, just give a brief uh part one intro of who the hell you are besides Jason's wife. Yes, I'm Amber, and I do a podcast with Liz on Chairshot Network, and it's Home is Where Hallmark is, and we talk about all things Hallmark. Is, now, is it just Hallmark Christmas movies, or is it like Hallmark, no. you know, she burnt the meatloaf movies and got a black eye? <laughs> Hallmark, you know, like, like what are we doing Hallmark here? All Hallmark movies, and okay. then we do news, and then uh, we review, like, the series, like, uh, Chesapeake Shores and all those. Very cool. And this is the Chair Shot Network, kind of a, not a sister organization to W2M, but kind of almost like a competitor. Uh, and actually, some of our content is there as well, like Talk to Keki, if I remember correctly. Yeah? I think so, yes. Cool. My other question to you is, uh, so Jason said you're a big Harry Potter fan. Just talk like 50 words or less, like how your, your relationship to the franchise, did you read the books? Did you just watch the movies? Like how big of a Harry Potter nerd are you? I have never read the books, so... I've read like the first two. Um, mostly started with the movies and I was late. Um, I didn't become a Harry Potter fan until probably about five years ago, six years ago. And um, 
I just, I love the world. It kind of takes you out of where we're, you know, real life and stuff. And then my husband took me to Universal Studios. <laughs> and did you have I got a wand? To see. Did, yes. did you get a wand? Yes, did you drink I have a beer? wand. <laughs> yes, we did. That's sweet. <laughs> drink better beer. <laughs> Walk, you know, went and did our, um, I'll have to show you one time we have this like video picture thing where they put mm -hmm. you in like those books you know how in the books the pictures move mm -hmm. like and we have a whole thing of it that's cool. us moving and, stuff. And, and the highlight was you actually got to meet mark yes i want mark that was the first time meeting mark um last question and then we can move on with this what's your favorite harry potter movie Probably Fantastic Beats and Where to Find Them. Really? Yes. For the love of I'm... God, why? <laughs> That's a more common answer than you might think, Mark. Yeah. Okay. I love animals. I'm a huge animal lover. I have four. We have lots of animals. And I've always been fascinated by mythical creatures. So the whole thing just fascinates me. And also, um, out of all the characters in the Harry Potter franchise... And I'm having a brain fart and can't think of the guy, the main guy in Fantastic Beasts is Newt. my favorite character. Newt, yeah, yes. Newt. Eddie Redmayne. Robert, have you gone back and listened to our first two reviews of uh, Fantastic Beasts and then uh, The Crimes of Grindelwald? Because I did. What a hoot we had on those shows. I, I assume I at one point, again, referenced the fact that Eddie Redmayne should still be in jail for armed robbery. But Yes, you, you, you did that gag several times. Yeah, yeah, I regret that. <laughs> I regret right. overusing it, not making the joke. All right, well, we have a lot of ground to cover here, so let's get into it, Robert, with the plot synopsis. Take it away. Do we? There's not a lot of ground to cover here. <laughs> so... Fantastic Beast is going to follow the attempted rise of Gellert Grindelwald. Now, played by our third different actor to play this role, we've now got Mads Mikkelsen. And it took him two tries, but they finally got it right. The irony of that is you actually said on one of the reviews, come on, man, Mads Mikkelsen is right there. I did. <laughs> and there he is. I said that, and I stand by it. And having now seen him do it, I was right all along. Uh, he, so... We pick up not too long after um, whatever the other one was. I forget the subheading. Crimes of Grindelwald. Ah, I remembered. Um, Albus Dumbledore is now in possession of the physical manifestation of the blood pact that he and Gellert made that prevented either of them from attacking the other at peril to their own lives. So they, that's why they can't actively oppose one another necessarily and it has resulted in a weird kind of game of chess that they have to play across the political landscape uh we first see newt as he is rescuing a chillin then he's ambushed the mythical beast is killed he finds another one because twins apparently <laughs> were born uh a lot, I'm not going to go through every detail here. There's a lot of running around. There's a lot of MacGuffin hunting. There's an attempted assassination. Grindelwald's plan is to become elected to the, believe it's the Supreme Mugwump position. You are the, uh, look, yeah. I didn't name it. I was going to say, really... is, is where you become the, the, the uh, leader of the higher order of water buffalo? <laughs> Your references hurt my soul. 
The Flintstones. Please don't. The Twinkle Flintstones. Toes. Dino, just to name a few. Come on, sing it with me, Jason. Barney, Wilma, and Bam Bam, too. Just Where the hell did you get this <laughs> this Flintstones song? This is uh, worse. This is worse than your your um, jazz uh, rendition that I'll try to forget that haunts me in my dreams. I was going to say, uh, I think the one that sent uh, Andrew into the woods to live deliberately in Canada was my my rendition of um, it was Agatha all along that I sang at Robert, sang at him. You you were anyway. You were it's from an old it's from an old Flintstones LP that I had as a kid. Go ahead, Robert. You done? Maybe. Uh, <laughs> never. No. So th- th- uh, that particular position is roughly analogous to the Secretary General of the United Nations. It's the entire wizarding world across the globe comes together and votes on who is the mugwump of the United Confederation of Wizards or whatever the name of it is. <laughs> I think that's what it is, actually. United Confederation of Wizards. There's the Confederate or the International Confederation of Wizards. Okay. I'm not, I'm more certain about that. So he first gets himself absolved of all of his crimes because of a lack of evidence, the methods that are never quite made clear. Then he is allowed to run for office. Part of the logic being on the part of some of the people in power, you know, if we just kill the guy, we're going to make a martyr out of him for his cause. How about we let him run? We let him lose, because he will. And once the people have had their say, things will go back to normal. People accept the results of free and fair elections, don't they? Sure. They never stormed the Capitol or anything or claim that machines were bugged. Um, and oh, here we go. Hang on. Ballot boxes are never stuffed. If we're gonna, if we're going to do this, let's let's do it fairly. They never call for the abolishment of the electoral college. Right. They never claim that Russian. They never claim Russian collusion or interference in our election. <laughs> they never they, wait twelve hours extra to call Florida or Ohio. They yeah. Or they, Pennsylvania. There's a long history of this kind of crap, <laughs> and that's all. We're, look, that's all I'm saying. That's the extent yes. of the political discourse we're going to get into here. For any, for anyone who just had their moving on. So to try and stop this, we have Albus Dumbledore. He his plans are somewhat convoluted and half-assed. <laughs> somewhat. Somewhat. The plot contrivance for this is that Grindelwald has some kind of magic eye that gives him brief glimpses of the future. Because he's Sauron. So, so we must have half-assed plans so that he can't know what's really happening. There's one person who is sent to infiltrate the group. A couple are sent to stop an assassination attempt. Uh, Newt's commander's brother Theseus gets arrested and thrown in a pit, thrown in a sarlacc pit, basically, <laughs> with a bunch of um, rock lobsters, for want of a better expression. <laughs> the 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 greatest part of the movie. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> no, you can dance on the show. It's fine. Please be be free to be be free to be you. I am. Do, 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 do. She, she's going to do. She's going to do. She's going to do the the swivel hip lobster dance. Can't see my hips. So. Okay. You, you talk, we dance. <laughs> the Batusi. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm going to let him go. <laughs> I've I've discovered at times like this, it's best to just let him get it out of his system. <laughs> 
So there's a, and there's a lot of these. Uh, most of the previous characters are reintroduced to what varying degrees of success. The assassination is stopped. This all culminates with the election. And in order to prevent weirdness from the electoral process, they have the chilling. And these things are pure of heart. They are the most pure and wonderful magic creatures in all the magical worlds. Until we need another one for another thing next time, because this title used to be held by at least three other creatures. And their, their magical ability is they see everything. Their eyes can see straight into your soul. And if you are pure of heart, soul, mind, and body, they will bow to you as a sign of your worthiness. So there's one of these that is paraded in front of the candidates. And if it bows to one of them, hey, this will work. Now, this ties back into our beginning bit where one of the twins that were born was kidnapped by agents of Grindelwald. He has killed one of these poor creatures. And through necromancy, puppeteers its corpse to prance around in front of everyone and then bow to him. This potentially gets him elected. He then immediately tries to start a war on the Muggles, only to be stopped by the soft-spoken, oddly-looking Eddie Redmayne, who everyone listens to, who has the real live chilling. The other one finally expires for nebulous reasons. Uh, the real one looks at all of our, uh, looks at Grindelwald, turns away like you do. He walks through the crowd, he bows to Albus Dumbledore, because Dumbledore. <laughs> Dumbledore then says, thank you, it's a great honor, and my ego really needed the boost, because I've been struggling, you see, throughout the course of this movie. But I really am not in a position to lead the, interna uh, the International Confederation of Wizards, so please take a further look around. And of the then the, let's lead us back to our original two candidates. We have the Brazilian woman and the Chinese man. And in the Chinese release of the movie, it bows to the Chinese guy. Everywhere else, it bows to the Brazilian woman. <laughs> I joke, but I'm 90% sure that's accurate. I would bet money on it. <laughs> she is elected to the position of Supreme Mugwump or whatever it is. Grindelwald. I'm not joking. Look it yeah, up if you think fine. I am. You're so close. So she, he gets elected Mugwai. Go. Yes. And he can no longer be fed after midnight or watered. Correct. Or get watered. Yeah. Yeah. Or be in direct sunlight. Grindelwald is somewhat upset about this. He tries to murder um, Credence from the first two movies because Ezra Miller gets one last gasp before his drunken brawls in Hawaii catch up to him. Uh Albus and his brother Aberforth. There's a whole subplot where Credence is really Aberforth's illegitimate son, and no one cares. <laughs> they, Aberforth and Albus are able to stop Grindelwald's attack. The act of their spells colliding destroys the uh, blood pact that had, uh, they're non aggression pact. Because one of the, look, one of them's Russia, one of them's Nazi Germany, and now they're going to fight. And we get a brief battle between the two of them that ends in kind of a draw. Grindelwald then heads off into the sequel to plot his nefarious rise to power in a more direct and violent way. Uh, amongst our other characters, we all wind up back in Queens, New York, because, well, sure, where Jacob Kowalski, our happy little non-magical person who's just been tagging along through all of this, finally gets married to his sweetheart who had joined the dark side near the end of the previous movie. She's now back in the light. They get married, Dumbledore smiles and walks off towards the Brooklyn Bridge, I assume. He goes to see Pat. He goes <laughs> hangs out with Pat and has a beer. 
All right, Amber, I'm going to start with you first since you were the newest, uh, most loveliest guest. What did you think of this movie? I loved it. <laughs> it's okay. You're allowed um, to like, don't let Robert scare you. You're allowed to like things. <laughs> I, but I am partial, like I have said. Mm -hmm. And anything to do with the Harry Potter franchise is really, I'm going to love it regardless. But I love the comedy in it. I love the you know, the animals that were in it. Um, I It was a filler between movie, you could tell, um, which I'm really kind of concerned on whether they're going to have the rest of them <laughs> because it's not doing real well, I don't think. But they yes, I loved the money it. segment. <laughs> yep. I loved it, but I'm partial. So, and Newt Cassander, Commander is my favorite, so. How, how do you, how did it rank to you against the other two? Was it better, worse, the same? Uh, the first one's probably the best, where to find them, and then I would put this one probably last. And I would put them in the the I, order they're in. Is there anything that, like, really didn't work for you, or you were let down by something that you were like, huh, you know, I my expectations were subverted here? The ending okay. was, I, I thought maybe there would be some type of, you know, finality, at least a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, because they aren't sure they're going to do any of the other movies. Um, so I kind of felt like it was a little bit of a letdown. I feel like the whole um, Dumbledore and Grindelwald um, fight towards the end could have been a little bit more. I kind of felt like it was short and mm -hmm. very quick. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean... That was probably my most disappointing of the whole movie. Last thing before I go over to Jason, I really thought the ending was very underwhelming. Essentially, yeah. like we were kind of, I went with my wife and my kids and then we went with a family friend and her kids and my wife and her, um, the family friend are both big Harry Potter fans and they were really looking forward to this and we all kind of looked at each other was like, was it just me or was that entire movie about a stolen election? Like it was about a stolen election. Yeah. Are we all really underwhelmed by that and kind of thinking, like, suck the magic right out of this magical fantasy? And we're like, it kind of does. And I just wanted to get your take on that. You know, when you think of, like, the Deathly Hollows and you had, like, a Wizard's War and they really felt like, you know, whether you like the Deathly Hollows or not, at the end of the Harry Potter series, you felt like there were real stakes here that these people, you know, they had their Lord of the Rings, uh, Mount Doom moment. Um, it, if there was a sense of finality to it. And I know there might, there may or may not be two more films after this, but even the final clash theoretically between um, Grindelwald and Dumbledore to me just felt like it, it, it just kind of thinking about star Wars. It should have had an Anakin Obi-Wan feel. It doesn't, it has like a little skirmish, like, like there's going to be more later, um, which I was really disappointed by. And I just want to get your reaction to that. Yeah, I thought you were talking to Jason. Nope. <laughs> no. My bad. First time, guys. Forgive me. Yes, it was very underwhelming. I expected a lot more. I expected more like what was at the end of Deathly Hollows, which was mm -hmm. the bigger battle between Harry and Voldemort. Um, I was very underwhelmed about the whole thing. Um, I cried probably three times in the whole entire movie. Mm -hmm. um, I wanted there to be more just more more at the end just more there's just was very underwhelming yeah all right jason uh better worse the same as nerdland go 
Oh, it anything's better than Nerdland. Don't even, don't even tempt me with you know. Better, worse, or the same as do the right thing. Uh, it's where I, I like I like do I do I like do the right thing better. So, um, but yeah, I mean, this was this was probably my least favorite of the three. The first okay. one was the first one was my absolute favorite because you know I, I it was just something new to experience. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, and it's like I said, my wife's a big Harry Potter fan, so it's something because me and her came to this um, together. We we knew that they existed, but we hadn't seen nothing. We didn't really get into it. So, you know, we had, didn't have internet last year. We had a big snowstorm. We got both the first two on, um, Blu-ray and we just kind of immersed ourselves in it the past time without internet service. So it was something I got to share with her. And we, you know, like I said, her being a big Harry Potter fan, I'm a Harry Potter fan secretly. Um, so says on a public podcast, Believe yeah, it or well, not, he actually knows more Harry Potter trivia than I do most of the time. Yeah, we won't talk <laughs> about that, though, because I'm the smartest man alive, okay, next to Robert. Um, but anyway, uh, it's it was it was very underwhelming. This one was just underwhelming. It's like I just kept waiting for something big to happen. And, you know, you said that he has some eye. No, it's weird he kills the, the, fur, the, the thing, the changeling or whatever it is. Uh, he kills that. That's how he's able to see into the future and get the glimpses, um, which Amber cried when that happened because she knew it was going to happen. The only thing I heard is, don't kill the baby. Don't kill the baby. Don't He killed the baby. And then I see her cry. Um, so uh, my favorite character, though, is honestly Jacob because, I, can, I mean, he's just relatable to me. And, you know, I see a lot of, like, my personality traits, except he's not an asshole. And I am. Um, but the second one was, I felt the second one was, had a lot more action and, you know, higher stakes than this one did. And it felt like really off because you don't really feel that like intense, dire challenge. There's no it's sense of urgency to. in this movie. Mm-mm. I think is what you're yeah. saying. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it, it's it, it's it's all sizzle, no steak. Mm-hmm. So that's, I mean, that's just how I feel. It's, you know, I'm hoping that there's more and we get things. Uh, personally, in the back of my mind, because it's already been confirmed that Voldemort's born during these movies. Uh, mm-hmm. I think I read somewhere where he was actually born in the first during the first one. So, you know, you kind of have that in the back of your mind that you're waiting to see how it bridges over to the, to the Harry Potter world. And you still have that in the back of your mind, but, and, and you're wanting it to move in that direction. So you want kind of finality with Grindelwald. So that's where it lied with me. All right. Um, Robert, the whole pacing of this movie felt off. It felt like a trudge. Um, it also feels like there wasn't enough story for the movie. It seems like they were kind of kicking around an idea. Like, hey, wouldn't it be fun if we have a lot of misdirection? But I don't know how well in, in actuality that was executed. Um, so I got really aggravated at one point in the movie. 
and, and I wanted to get your opinion about this, Robert, specifically. They the first act and a half is gathering up the Avengers and then sending them out on different missions. And then they all in turn fail at their missions, seemingly. And they come back to Nick Fury. And he was like, not only did we all fail, but we're worse off now than we were before. And I was thinking to myself, what was the point of any of this? And I and and I kept coming back to that. Like it was as like we we have to make another one of these. We have to have some degree of finality to it. We don't know what the story is, so we'll just wing it. Like I know this is a fully developed, uh, top tier multinational product that Warner Brothers put out, but it comes across like they didn't have a script at times and they were just shooting stuff on the fly. Uh, let me start with the positives. Because I, you're correct. The pacing here is a nightmare. Um, Jude Law as Albus Dumbledore, absolute highlight. He gets that yeah. character. Uh, I mean, as soon as they cast him in that role, a lot of us went, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And then he consistently nails it. So. Nobody in this movie acts badly. Everyone has great stage presence and has great charisma. I love Queenie. Her reaction, her interactions with Jacob actually have a sense of tension to them. His, you know, at the end where he's holding her shoulders and he's like, come on, baby, it's going to be all right in very non-consensual 1920 speak um, was fantastic. I loved it. I, you know, him, him interacting with Queenie and his, just his acting overall, I think is fantastic. I think you're right about the guy who plays Dumbledore. I think he I think he nails the character. I think he's fantastic. Eddie Redmayne doesn't quite talk with pirate mushmouth in this one. Um, and he's not, you know, and he's not doing mumble peg the entire time. <laughs> so I actually liked him here too. And then the guy who plays his brother, I thought, well, um he exists. I, I, I didn't want I didn't want to go ahead and be negative and call him underwhelming, but he he is definitely like uh, low key. Okay. Uh, look, let's call us let's call it like it is with that character mm -hmm. it's not about the actor the character is underwhelming like and, and it's not the actor's fault right yeah think, if you took him out you would not miss him in this movie i th like i said i think he's um i i i like his performance but i think you're right i think just the character isn't like bounds of excitement um so to to your point about the positives and i'll let you finish what you were saying Nobody gives a bad performance. It's acted well. I think the movie, for the most part, actually looks okay. I think the aesthetic is really nice. I just hate the story, and the pacing made me want to walk into the woods to live deliberately. Well, uh, hang on. We mentioned uh, the one name you didn't mention. I do want to give him credit. Uh, Matt Mickelson. Mm -hmm. Sure. Just, they finally. I don't know why it took them two other movies, two other actors, and a lawsuit from Johnny Depp <laughs> to finally arrive at the guy they should have cast to begin with. Uh, no. He and Jude Oh, wait, 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 wait. Amber with a hot take. Yeah. Which one, which one should they have stayed with Amber? Johnny Depp. Robert, Johnny you're not Depp allowed... is Grindelwald. Robert, you're not, allowed to be Grindelwald. Mean... you're not allowed to be mean to Amber. Okay. <laughs> Look, you can have your opinion. That's fine. People like Johnny Depp more. I get it. He's more over the top. He's much goofier. He's a more well-known commodity, sure. But, but Mads Mikkelsen is kind of a lector. He is, but more than that, like Mads and Jude Law had a spark between them that Johnny Depp and Jude Law did not. Yeah, you're not kidding. Arr, that might be the best part of the movie is them two. Arr. 
Okay, please stop. Oh God! No. <laughs> <laughs> the Dumbledore and, and uh, Grindelwald, hotsy totsy, sword fight. Look, there's more than enough slash fiction out there about this already. I don't need it to be brought here. You brought it up. <laughs> you said there was sexual chemistry to them, and I'm I, agreeing with you in my own silly and, way. Yeah, and then in your silly way, you decided to go two steps further. <laughs> all right, all right, I'll behave. No, but, you won't. That. Yeah, you, you, it's okay. <laughs> they every time they interact, like there's, you feel that that tension between them, and I think that's a again that he has those two have that, whereas Johnny Depp and Jude Law just didn't. Yeah, I think they wrote the character of Grindelwald much less interestingly in this movie. Uh, yeah, they completely abandoned his point of view, which was one of the big selling points about. Uh, why he's successful, as well as what Johnny Depp kind of was able to bring to the role in the previous movie, he got to narrate a point. Mm -hmm. He got to say, here's my worldview. Here's why I feel this way. And in places, he's correct, which is why his, which is why what he does works. You know, Voldemort's rise to power is predicated on fear and your own narcissism. Like, how much do you, how much power do you want as an individual? It's not that there's no philosophy behind it, but it's it's window dressing. It's entirely about his aggrandizement. I'm not saying Grindelwald doesn't have grandiose notions of himself. I'm saying he has an actual point of view about the world that is not, you know, how about genocide? <laughs> and that's what makes him more interesting. And sadly, again, they kind of abandoned that here, and it, it's a real shame. Well, in defense of that, though, how many more times does he have to make that point? The whole second movie is about him making that point and him and, and the rest of the world going, you know, he's blunt, but he's got a point. This third one is now that you've made that point and you have followers and, are, and are, you know, and at least a snowball's chance of legally winning your political position. Now you have to execute that thing. And I actually think that's the worst part about this movie is a lot of the same complaints about like the Phantom Menace, which was why did you take this whimsical fantasy tale and decide to laden it with politics nobody gives a shit about? Well, there's a couple of problems with that, and I'm glad you brought up the Phantom Menace because there's a similar issue to be had here. It's not that you can't make this, it's not that you can't add political intrigue to this story. Again, if we're talking about this guy's rise to power, it's kind of important for you or not. But you then have to establish not only stakes, but an engagement to the audience related to that. The entire International Confederations of Wizard comes out so, comes out of left field. Mm -hmm. Like this is not an organization we have ever dealt with before. It's not a like I'm sure it existed, but it's never been referenced. It's never right. been brought. It's there's no sense of scope. There's no sense of stakes. How much power does this individual actually wield relative to any other government position? This We talked about this in the review and, and having listened back to it. Um, and Amber, if you want to weigh in here, just jump in. But we talked about it in the second film. If wizards are a known commodity to the world, if they come out of hiding and live and, and if the if mutants live next to humans uh, out in the open, there will be this will bring about the end of the world. Now, we talked about how they kind of skip to that point and they don't really explain how we got from A to Z, but at least that's the point they're making. If wizards live amongst us and, are, and reveal themselves, it's the end of the world as we know it. Um, they don't really then use utilize this movie in any way to show, okay, 
if if Grindelwald becomes the elected leader of Wizards, what does that other than he gets to then put forth his ideals? What then does that mean? Do, do, do you know what do the Wizards do then? None of that gets really talked about. This is all about creating um, uh, anarchy, essentially, so that they can yeah, get and, close to him. And and it's one of the misdirection, things that sorry misdirection is the word I was looking for. And it's one of the big. Go ahead, sorry. Well, I mean, it it Voldemort Grandelwald. It's all about pure blood, half blood. Whether you're born to two wizards or you're born with muggle blood in you. So, I mean, it's the same theory. You know, Grindelwald doesn't want, you know, wizards fornicating or well, I don't know what, marrying <laughs> fornicating muggles, <laughs> muggles and having half blood children. It's okay. all about, it's the same thing. Right. What Grindelwald but, believes in, Voldemort believes in. There so, needed to be there needed to be a scene of like what will if Grindelwald comes to power, what will he do? That never I mean, seems says, to be talked about. He says towards the end that he wants a war with the Muggle world. He says that in the movie. But to, so, so I what, mean, he wants to. To if we at a point, he wants to destroy them. Right, but if we eliminate the Jews, then we can take over that land, and Germany will ascend to its former heights. Like right. Hitler makes a very, you know. Certain <laughs> point of saying, if if the Jews go away, Germany ascends because the Jews are what's holding us back. If we eliminate the Indians from North America, Rapidly we can have became something else. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know, if we eliminate the Indians from North America, we can have transcendentalism, and the United States will rise to power, and it'll be a wonderful thing. Like the, you have to specify what the mission objective is to say, like we don't want half blood people running around. Okay, what are you gonna do? And and like we're gonna have war. If you win, what what happens next? Yeah, th this is the big missed opportunity of this movie, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, again, you don't have to have him make the same campaign pitch that Johnny Depp did at that big meeting at the end of Crimes right. of Grindelwald. But if this guy is essentially campaigning for office, which is what he's doing, right? You need him to lay things out in a bit more concise manner. Again, again, saying I want to burn down. I want to burn down the old world and build a new one. Right. That's a very nice broad, like that's a broad stroke no, he, plan. He needed to say, I want to build a wall. I want to build a wall and I want to make Mexico pay for it. That's what he needed to say. Yeah, like that, again, like everyone, look, you joke, but I mean this in all sincerity. It's one thing to have a bad slogan, mm -hmm. which, you know, again, I will burn down your world and the muggle world. Right. Okay. It's a nice again. That looks good on a bumper sticker, I guess. But what's it mean? <laughs> Crindon Walls in 2020. I will burn down the Muggle world. I kind of felt like the point of the beginning part of the movie, and where it was not clear what he wanted. The point of that was to kind of fool people mm -hmm. into electing him. It, it, within context of the film, that's fine. But mm -hmm. you have to then speak to the audience of the film. You know, you're speaking to the players in the film and you're trying to manipulate them. That's great. And we'll watch that drama play out. But to the greater audience watching who doesn't really have a clue what it is you're really going, you know, like I said, it, it's too. Let, let's talk about like Lord of the Rings. So Sauron wants to bring Middle Earth into darkness and he's going to do that, you know, in various different ways. And you see that play out over three of the Lord of the Rings movies. Um, you know, even, as stupid as the Hobbit movies are, there's a very stated objective here. We hey, want to get to... They're kind of dumb movies. We want to hey, get... Now. 
the dwarven kingdom back from the dragon, which may or may not be dead. And you know, use the eagles. And if assuming we can get rid of the dragon, that dwarven kingdom is prime property for you know for a war that may happen along the way. So my my point is, and we'll go back to Robert here for just a second. You know that. I don't feel like the filmmakers really knew what it was they were trying to do with this movie. They just knew like they had a kind of a checklist that they needed to go through and they, they went through it, but it, but just because you have a checklist and some ideas does not mean you have a compelling story to tell and spend $200 million on. Go ahead, Robert. So no, I'm, I think that's a, I think that was a missed opportunity. Again, this is a character that's supposed to have a point of view let's have him mention it. I mean, there's a, there's any number of ways you can get this across and you don't necessarily have to have a campaign speech, but he spends time at like state dinners and we never see him talk with anyone. Mm-hmm. There, there's just so many, t- or he doesn't confide in any of his underlings even. Mm-hmm. There's a bunch of opportunities for him to illuminate them, illuminate and by proxy of the audience safely. And it just doesn't ever happen because I don't think they really had a good handle on what they, I'm with you. I don't think they had a good handle on this. I don't think they had a good handle on the stakes. I don't think they had a good handle on being able to convince the audience of those stakes. We bounce around the globe in this movie and none of it feels like much happens. Like we show up at the German ministry of magic and, oh, this could be cool. I assume they have a different system. This is the 1920s in Germany. There's so much you could do with this. <laughs> and it's raining, and there's some Art Deco architecture, and vague allusions to how the Gestapo would dress, and that's it. Like, There's so much wasted opportunity with a lot of that setting. So that's a that's a pretty big problem. The pacing, like you mentioned, is just not good. I watched this movie with my mother, and my mother is not nearly as critical as I am, and she said, that was slow in places. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, that's a charitable way to put that. Much like much like uh, Eddie Redmayne's brother in this, understated. That's a very understated statement. Now, I see there was two missed opportunities. One was they never, like you guys have been saying, they never set the stakes mm-hmm. de- definitively of what will happen. Um, like you, they, like Robert said, it painted it with a broad brush. You never got the finer details of, of the overall plan. And I think that's what, uh, one of the problems I had with Mads Mikkelsen in this movie is because he wasn't written, the character wasn't written to follow up the, 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 um, ending of the second movie yeah. it, they didn't build they didn't build upon that and i think that's that's the issue i had with with him in this movie and it was just it wasn't him as the actor it was the character they just you you got to they built him up and then it just dropped off secondly you had no really real underlings that were menacing uh you had the misdirection with you know with uh, Barry Allen, I was gonna say this um, needed Batista. We needed, you know, we needed to have a, we needed to have Batista throwing a hat. Yeah, yeah, well, I mean, you didn't have like in the Harry Potter movies, you have like, like so, underling players, like I was say, characters. Like Beatrice, Beatrice Dominatrix, whatever the hell her name is. Yeah, that's kind of hot. 
but yeah. uh, but her husband's a fucking whack job. Yes. But anyway, Phil, um, cinema's greatest monster, uh, Tim Robbins, whatever the hell his name is. Tim Burton. Tim Burton. Why are you this way, Mark? <laughs> Tim Ro Tim Robbins is awesome. Um, but but you didn't have like those underling characters that that added to the menace. Mm -hmm. You you just had like red shirts, basically. You know yeah. Um, yeah. that just kind of was background filler. You didn't have the the other players in in the story to like build to his overall menace, and I think that was a missed point in this. And the flip flopping with you know Barry Allen, um, you don't really he he does it. I'm not a I'm not a big fan of his anyway. I I think he's not a great actor, and I think the character is very underwhelming as well. And that, the whole subplot really went nowhere. They could have built into that a lot more. That, that character, I thought that character died at the end of Fantastic Beasts, and really, <laughs> I I wish he had. And I I don't say that to say that I dislike Ezra Miller necessarily. I'm not the biggest fan in the world, but he's not the worst guy I've ever seen on screen. But this this character wound up being like he serves a purpose in the first one he's not only a giant yeah. menace that they have to deal with he's a tragic figure this is someone who has been abandoned and abused and doesn't know his own power and is now stuck with the only people who might be able to help him thinking he's too far gone he's too powerful like again he is a tragic figure and he's the it's it's what happens to him that kind of spurs grindelwald to reveal himself at the end like look at what happens to us because of how we have to live how many more of us have we, are, is this going to happen to before we decide to do something about it? And it makes sense. You know, how many more children have to suffer because of this? Because we can't be free. And it's a valid point. And sadly, they kept him around for the second one for no real reason. Then for a bizarre Just... reveal at the end that, hey, you're a Dumbledore. Yeah, and I'm Ray Skywalker. <laughs> um and yeah then, i mean they they the manipulation thing worked really good in the first one the second one it kind of fell flat and this one it was like the subplot. unnecessary yeah the subplot was really unnecessary and it was like it was like hey we mentioned this in the second one so we got to shoehorn this into the third just to just so he can be drunk in hawaii and get uh, <laughs> Look, and hang on, Amber. Do you want to weigh in on any of this? You're like you're hearing you're hearing us three, you know, us three cisgendered, angry white men bash your favorite thing. I'm just curious. Yeah, if you're like, mean, you jerks. Here's my take. Go ahead, tell us. Well, I think the whole point of him being a Dumbledore was because he was obs obscure. I can't say it right. Obscura, mm -hmm. or obscure. And the Obscurial? reason he was an obscure was because Dumbledore and what was the, I can't remember his brother's name. Um, the two Dumbledores, their sister was one as well. And a lot of, and you got to think Credence was losing his power. He has been losing his power this whole time. He's dying. That's why his um, Phoenix was at, turning to ash is because he's dying. So he's not as powerful. So he's not going to be as big of a threat in, at this point in this movie, because he's pretty much dying, he's losing his power. 
So, I mean, and I think the reason that, you know, they had the Dumbledore connection in there was because, you know, their sister died and that was part of Harry Potter. A lot of towards the ends of Deathly Hollows, the whole thing between Albus and his brother is the anger from what happened to their sister. That they killed. That they killed. Being sort stupid, of. but but she was dying anyways. Because she wasn't obscure as well. All right, no, Robert. I, we're, we're, I we're don't. Towards, hang on, we're just getting towards the end of the hour here. So, um, go ahead and make what point you were trying to make before I interrupted you, but then get to the end of your craft review. I can see where they were trying to go with the emotional tenor of that, and it's that's the kind of story that, like, if you want to have that be your B plot, I'm not opposed to it, but five scenes over a two and a half hour film doesn't <laughs> cut it. This was badly handled, uh, which is a shame because, again, I think there's a degree of emotional resonance there that could have been played off of, and it just it never happens. It, it never quite comes together. Uh, I think most of this movie falls apart based on the writing. It, it looks fine. I don't have very many issues with the CGI. The acting's all... No, you, like you mentioned, no one gives a bad performance here. These are all yeah. competent people at a bare minimum. Uh, I'm just going to say this about J.K. Rowling. She's a, she's a good to very good novelist. She's not a good screenwriter. And I think at this point, we have enough evidence to make that conclusion. She didn't uh, write the screenplay alone, though. No, she given her, she had help, but given her uh, creative control over this endeavor, I'm, I'm imagining she did most of it, or at least had ultimate editorial say over it. Okay, well, also, you have to understand that the person she wrote this is also wrote or co-wrote most of the Harry Potter stuff and the other two Fantastic Beasts. So just a couple of the, things. That yeah, they're long-time they're longtime collaborators, but I think the difference with this and most of the Harry Potter stuff was you can adapt a novel easier than you can write something out of whole cloth. And I, I just don't think she's a very good screenwriter. And that's that's not a that's not to say how dare you you're a terrible writer. Screenwriting is a specific talent. Novel writing is a specific talent. There's very few writers, believe it or not, who can do both. Uh, I mean, I think William Goldman's one of the only ones who I would say had a genuine knack for novel writing and screenwriting. And she just, this is just not something she's very good at. And I, I think that's we see a lot of that borne out in the structure. A lot of that borne out in underlying assumptions that are made in the writing that you could fix in a novel format, you cannot fix in a screenplay. So, yeah, it. I tend to agree with you guys. This is the worst of these three films, uh, which is sad because I, I thought this one had the potential to be better than Crimes of Grindelwald, if nothing else, because that was kind of a slog too. And boy. <laughs> uh, go back and listen to our review of that. We talked about it again, good, bad, and otherwise. We are fair here. Uh, this was, you know, I before we get to the money, I had mentioned you know, a few weeks ago, uh, a few months actually at this point. I'm not sure how well this is going to do just because I don't think this particular iteration of this IP has a tremendous amount of legs to it. Can we, can we talk about that for a second? You know, just kind of here's, here's my. <laughs> my brief here's my thought on how this should have gone and let me let me phrase it like this leave fantastic beasts the way it is 
Again, I might I might put Mads there instead of Johnny Depp to begin with because I'm me. But for what? But creatively, leave it as it is. It's fine. It's a wonderful return to this IP. People are happy with it. It's a fun. I, I, I'm not going to say lighthearted adventure, but it is. It, it's a break from the you know the false epicness. Not even false, but you know, the weightiness that mm-hmm. gets into when you get into like yeah. quasi epic stuff. It, it's not that heavy. It's fun. It's lighthearted. There's laughs. There's tears. It's a solid, solid story. Leave that. Leave those characters where they are at the end of that movie. They're all fine. We don't need to revisit them. If you want to then tell the story of Grindelwald and Dumbledore, I'm not opposed to that either. This is, again, we're talking about a rich period in human history to draw from. It's a time period in the established canon with all kinds of opportunities for stories to be told. This is a fine story to tell, but Crimes of Grindelwald and this story really needed to be compressed. There's not enough story between those two movies for two movies. We so, can, I, so we shrink those down, and we set again. We establish our stakes a little bit better, and we introduce new characters. I, we don't need to keep shoehorning poor Jacob Kowalski. Hey now! Look, look. I like the character. He's one of the best characters in the whole entire show. Look, I like, like the character. You can't char- take him out. Hang on. I like the character. I like the actor. Well written. He's a well written character. He's well acted. He's the heart and soul of most of these movies, and God bless him for it. But you can't give me a legitimate reason he's being dragged around on this, other than the author feels it's necessary to have this character. He is the the point of view character for the audience. Well, no, let's, let me point something out. He is a staple in the Harry Potter universe because him and Queenie are the first muggle wizard couple that starts the half bloodline. That's, that's why he's established in these movies is because without, okay. I've got a. That can't be true. Yes, that that's the that's the first. That's that's the first half blooded because if they when they have a kid. That, okay, that might be, the, be. That might be true for like the American version of the Wizard World. There's no way that's true of the like. That doesn't make a big. They make a big point of that in Fantastic Beast is. You know, no, you Americans are so uncivilized relative to your magic relative to the Muggles. You don't allow your you don't allow wizards to talk with them or befriend them, whereas we over in Britain are so much more sophisticated. We don't have any problem. We don't have any laws preventing us from boinking the normies. Well, we're we're going to look this up. Feel no. free. This right. is one of those things that annoyed me about. Like th- that's one of the things that annoyed me about the ending. They they establish this. They don't do a good job establishing why these two characters getting married is something other than two characters we like who love each other getting together. Well, I mean, I, I, I think it's it's a metaphor or a, a you know uh, emblematic of he, at the word you're looking West, for is symbolic. Thank you, symbolic. Thank you. Symb- uh, it, at least Western cultures struggle with mixed marriages. You know, like a, as the X Men were a metaphor, a sim- symbol for homosexuality and coming out. So too is a lot of this a symbol or metaphor for. Uh, okay, hold, some, I. The X-Men were much more about the civil rights than they were about homosexuality. I'm, it's just, I'm just saying. 
Well, okay, you, okay, hang on. In fairness, to, true. in fairness I, to your point, like depending on which era of X Men we're talking. Yeah, about, I was gonna say like the, the, I was gonna say almost everyone in modern comics now sees the X Men as, as being a symbol for like uh, of closeted homosexuality. Yeah, never mind that the original characters were expressly designed to replicate the civil rights movement, right down to Xavier referencing being a, an analog from Martin Luther King, whereas Magneto's an analog Fine. from Malcolm X. We can have Chris Bailey and Pat here to to put the well, look. The, okay, look, back. anyone. So anyone else, feel free to discuss this ad nauseum i'm not saying there's not i'm not saying there's no okay discussion my point, about my, that my point is they were clearly using the wizarding world to address some of this discomfort with things like mixed marriages they're clearly speaking about that i just want to say this before this goes any further and jason figures out what it is he's looking for let me say something about this whole fantastic beast thing you know you talked about i don't know if this is going to do very well and we're about to discuss that like within a few minutes the thing that i always thought was attractive about the Harry Potter franchise, and Amber, I'm curious to see what you think about this, was that it was a child's power fantasy. Um, children are always looking for power fantasies, whether it be Superman or Harry Potter or something. It's something that, you know, something that you can look to and say, gosh, I wish as a child I could do fantastic and wonderful things. And I had all these, you know, strengths and abilities that I see in our modern mythology, whether it be comic books, um, science fiction, fantasy, whatever. And we went on that ride and Harry Potter is one of the most successful franchises in both literature and film history. Now, part, again, that's because it appeals to both children and adults, but it has children as the focus. And I almost wonder if they missed the point with Fantastic Beasts as if to say, you know, again, kind of like The Hobbit. We're like, we need to go back to this world because this world made us a lot of money. Well, what are you going to do with it? We're going to do X, Y, Z. We're going to explore Dumbledore and Grindelwald. And we're going to look at the early days of Voldemort. And it's going to be fantastic. Is that really what people want? Do people want, you know, a, a Harry Potter world without the Harry Potter part of it? Because I feel like they don't. I feel like the vast majority of people wanted more Harry. And going back and doing a prequel absent the children and the children's power fantasy robs people of the one thing that really hooked them in the first place. What do you think, Amber? I, I don't agree. Okay. Um, the point is it's the wizarding world. Mm -hmm. I mean, people don't go to Universal and spend thousands of dollars to see the wizarding world because of Harry Potter. It's not, yes, it was to an extent, but it's the entire fantasy of mm -hmm. this whole world that's been created and it takes you out of where you're at and in, in our very the struggle and the you know the craziness going on in our world and puts you in this fantasy mm -hmm. regardless of whether it's harry or newt or jacob or queenie or whatever mm -hmm. it takes you out of your your um your world and puts you in this world. And that's why I like them so much. And, and I'll watch fantastic beats beasts as much as I'll watch Harry Potter. Um, I want the whole world, not just Harry Potter and Hermione and Harry and, you know, mm. uh, so if we're well, talking about me, why these things uh, aren't struggling, go ahead, go hang on <laughs> one second. Okay. Cause I think I'm, I'm thinking I'm setting you up here. Okay. If you're talking about, I'm contesting or rather I'm purporting that, these Fantastic Beasts don't do nearly as well as the Harry Potter proper series is because you're missing the child element. Because I'm not disagreeing with your point, Amber, which is, mm -hmm. no, no, no. People like the people want to live in that universe. This is the Avatar argument, 
Why did people go see Avatar ninth billion times and make it the most successful movie in film history? You know, not counting for inflation gone with the wind. Because people want to or any number of other movies that <laughs> actually beat it if we had just for inflation. <laughs> sure. Um because people wanted to live in that world. They wanted to escape their own reality and live in the Avatar world. And people kept going back to re-experience it, that sort of thing. Um, what I'm getting at here is, well, I agree with you that I think the universe that they created is a place people want to live. And that, and, and that is a license to sell product to these people and create events and happenings for people to live in uh, briefly. That's all well and good. But we still have the central argument over, but then why aren't these movies resonating and doing as well as the Harry Potter pro uh, franchise proper, Robert? Well, yeah, you did set me up, but I don't think it was necessary. Uh, I'm going to answer that question. That was Fantastic. Fantastic Beasts was a, again, it was a nice addition to the overall IP because it was an expansion on the world. Mm-hmm. It was, hey, here's a look at magic in, um, I, for, set aside the time period. The time period is somewhat immaterial here. It's, a, it's nice, but it's not necessary. Here's what magic, here's what the wizarding world looks like in a different country, because up until now, it's been exclusively British. So what's it look like in America? And here's a slightly quirky character okay. whose entire, whose, you know, whose life is built around magical creatures that people are curious, that the audience is curious about because they are wonderful and magical. That's an invitation to, again, to not only re-enter the world, but to then expand upon it. And I think that's why that movie resonated the way it did. So if the question then becomes, well, why didn't Crimes of Grindelwald or why isn't Secrets of Dumbledore? Well, let's make, let's then ask the logical question, what does this expand on in the world? The answer is nothing. This doesn't add anything. Of There is nothing here that draws you back to this world in a meaningful way. There's nothing it, here. Would you say this here is, new. Would you say this is akin to the Star Trek issue with the Kobayashi Maru, where this was much better when it was in our, in our imagination of what it could be than when we actually saw it captured on film and botched? Yeah, a little bit. Uh, this is... Again, if you want to go back into this world, you can, but look at what we're doing all of a sudden in this movie. Mm -hmm. If you want to tell political intrigue, you can, but where's the magic? It's nowhere. Yeah, that was one of the things I wanted to, I wanted to say, now that you mentioned it, paying my memory of this. This felt very Star Wars-y, in which every 15 to 20 minutes we have to have a lightsaber fight. Because the kids like lightsabers. Yeah, it, it drove it, me fucking crazy because as much as, you know, as much as people might have been passively enjoying it, it very much felt to me like they had, you know, like we've gone 20 minutes of a lot of talking and dialogue. Like I was I was doing the uh, alternative commentary of Ben-Hur with my son. We both just kept looking at each other going, okay, hang, on, hang on, which version? 2016. Oh, really? why? That's child <laughs> abuse. Why? <laughs> we, were, I, I, we were just looking at each other like. Isn't anyone going to have a chariot race? Isn't anyone going to throw a pie? Like, it's just talking and talking and talking. And then, like, the last 20 minutes is the chariot race. That We waited two hours for this. My point uh, being, okay. like... The, for in, the in, record, the remake of Ben-Hur that he's referencing is one of the worst movies ever made. It is awful. Watch the original. Watch Charlton Heston. 
That's that's a really. My good son almost noped out of the podcast halfway through. He was like, "What are we doing here? I'd rather I'd rather be bored at Easter with my with my grandparents." Jason, have you found the porn that you were yes. looking for? Okay, go ahead. Yes, Rappaport's law prevents non-magic people marrying wizarding into the wizarding community. They were the first couple. And I'm just gonna say this again. I accept that that's true of the United States. No, it's it's it. Confirmed by J.K. Rawlings that they were the first couple. That is, is some serious. Any, revi- okay, that is some revisionist bull. Is there any possible yeah. way we can move this on? Just well, okay, okay. I, I'm just saying. I find it unbelievably <laughs> impossible to believe that this smaller community, over the entirety of its existence, waited until the 1930s. <laughs> like, there, there's just no way. Well, I mean, as as a as the United States, <laughs> we waited till the 1960s before you know women. Yeah, but the United States they were in their 50s. So yeah, but the United I, States hadn't existed until the 1700s. We're still talking about 200 years. Sure. Oh, but, all right. Is there Amber? Any final thoughts as far as the craft review? Because we've been at this an hour now, and it's time to bring it's time to uh, bring the story to a close. Just um. I think you're all very critical of it. But, I mean, <laughs> hey, welcome to the fucking show. But uh, <laughs> uh, I will always love it. it. I felt it was good. We need to talk about my favorite part is the crap. That was my favorite part of the entire movie. Um, I thought that was hilarious. I want to see um, Robert do the crab dance. I'm not doing the crab dance. I want to see Robert do, do the, the crab, crab dance. dance. Come on. Get you got to move your head. Okay, new new bet, Mark. If, if, if I'm right about Mortal Kombat, Robert does the crab dance on, on a podcast. You do not okay. get to make that bet relative to me. Okay, hang on. If the, if the Miz gets cast as Johnny Johnny Cage, yes. Yeah, okay, got it. I'm if not making if, that bet. If, if no one, yeah, surprise you are. Me. No one's interested in what you think. I don't know if I'd Listen. make that bet again. And, <laughs> it, yeah, it, it, implied it, consent. It, Yep, it, exactly. Um, if the Miz gets cast as Johnny, if Johnny Cage, Robert has to do the crab dance live on Damn You Hollywood. Okay, for the record, if the Miz is cast as Johnny Cage, I'm not reviewing the movie. Just so that's you know. fine. I'm hang on. We can make layers to this bet. If the Miz is in the next, is the Miz is Johnny Cage in the next Mortal Kombat movie? I will just review it with Jason and make a lot of dick jokes. But you have to come on and do the crab dance. Give us the finger and walk off again. No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Okay, you're doing it. Anyway, moving yeah. on. Loki. I'll do half of that. You can guess which half. <laughs> Loki. Jason, Jason fight. <laughs> so Loki. Jason, your final thoughts, and let's move on. Um, I liked it. Um, no I think. I think. No, I think that um, the controversy, uh, and this is kind of a segue for you, Mark. The controversy kind of marred the the box office returns, I believe. Oh, you're talking um, about J.K. Rowling and her anti-trans thing. Well, that, the Johnny Depp thing, the Ezra Miller thing. I mean, this was snake bit on multiple levels. Why, do you um, really think people gave that much of a shit? About the Johnny Depp thing? Yeah, because now... Because... To the point where they're boycotting the movie? Have you, ever, yeah. have you ever been on TikTok lately? Have you been on the news? Like, that whole trial is going on right now. Yeah, okay, I'm on, they're like, whoa, 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 whoa. like people, uh, don't, people don't are pissed my off TikTok about game, this. Amber. Okay, my TikTok game is tight. I'll send I you mean, TikToks. Are you on TikTok? Got, like, wait, wait. Are you on TikTok? Where are you? Who yeah. are you on TikTok? I'm gonna start sending you shit. 
Don't yeah, don't send on. don't send my wife shit on TikTok. I'm about to send your wife shit on TikTok. What's your name on TikTok, Amber? That's what I'm looking for. God damn it! Hold on. She's gonna she's gonna put it live on air. Yeah. AET 1981. AET. What was it? 1981. 1981. 1981. Ah, one. There you are. Uh, well, uh, look just to, to the larger point there. I think you're right that this had a lot of things against it. Um, I, it's hard for me to believe that the Johnny Depp thing really like depressed people from going. Okay, well, hang on. I don't think there's any one thing that is like there's no one issue here. Yeah, We're I think it was a, a culmination of everything. Yeah. This is like you could take away one of these problems and you'd still have a depressed return. This is an accumulation of a lot of things. Okay, let's let's put a peg in that because we can come we can double back to it when we get officially get into the money. I think well, the, the last thing, the last thing about this movie that is, a is bit about disappointing. The music, the music is disappointing. Yeah, so like, I'd like to talk about the music if you let me. I'm trying to set you up here. Oh, sorry. Mark, tell us about the music. No, no, no. Robert, Robert's doing a setup. Go ahead. Bump the volleyball. Okay. So, again, I, I couldn't say this about the previous two movies, believe it or not. I thought the music in Fantastic Beast was pretty darn good. And we're dealing with an established composer here in James Newton Howard. But boy, is the music for this one utterly unremarkable, distinctly unmemorable, and kind of a letdown, which is a shame considering the music is such an integral part of so many of these movies and what leads them to success. And if you know, if you want to know other things that James Newton Howard is capable of, he has a very impressive dis discography overall. And Mark, I'm sure you know at least two different places that, where you could find all of these things, and one of them might be a sponsor. I do, Robert Winfrey. Uh, we are, in fact, giving away a free 30-day trial of the Amazon Music Unlimited service where you can find this composer's great works. If you go to our link here in the description of this podcast at getamazonmusic.com slash W2M Network. Again, that's getamazonmusic.com slash W2M Network. For your free 30-day trial of the Amazon Music Unlimited service, please fill out and the sign-up process. Agree to the 30 days and stream all you want. Stream to your heart's consent. Have a soundtrack for life. Have a soundtrack for when you go running in the middle of the night. Uh, and then we come home and then wake up all your children and your family. Uh, oh, I used to do that. I'm going to do it as soon as this podcast is over. Um, Are you going to sing Bacons and Cornbread? Yeah, I'm actually I'm actually not gonna run, Jason. I'm gonna pimp walk around my neighborhood with my wide brim hat. There you go. With your wide brim hat. Yeah. Hey, and as city hey, walk, here we come. The problem is the second song on that playlist is biscuits and gravy. <laughs> All right. So yes, get Amazonmusic.com slash W2M network. And with that, here comes the money. We're in the money. Gets me every time. <laughs> All right. With a budget of Marvel money uh, at $200 million, we are at currently... Least, bearing, bearing in mind this thing's production was delayed at least once, uh, pretty significantly. Uh, Non-trivial chance it's higher than that. Yeah. Um, I think uh, I'm looking at filming. Principal photography was scheduled to begin March, March 16, 2020, but... Un uh, unnamed Something. virus of unknown origin. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The, the kung flu. The the unspecified virus of unknown origin happened hey, to hit we, right around then. Jason, behave yourself. There are people who listen that don't appreciate the kung flu reference. Okay. Um, moving on. At a uh, two hundred million dollar Marvel budget, 
this thing has made at the time of this recording, which is the Tuesday after, $196.5 million over the Easter and Good Friday weekend, which is a pretty nice take. It's, it's, I, it's I would bad. imagine. Yeah, it's going to be profitable, but these things are, you know, we talked about this with like the DC movies. These things are designed to do a billion dollars or thereabouts. And this is probably going to struggle to hit the $500 million mark. Yeah, we'll talk about that in just a second. But here's how the weekend that was was um, the April uh, from the 15th to the 17th is what we're looking at. It debuted at number one. No shock there. It knocked Sonic the Hedgehog 2. Sonic uh, had a good hold. It only it didn't it dropped less than sixty percent from its opening weekend. That's a good mm-hmm. hold. That's it's a great movie, and it's you know, and I'm now I'm realizing now just how popular Sonic is with even kids of today. Like it had you know when you think about Sonic was something that was around in what the late nineties, early two thousand. Yeah, that's when he came out, and it's yeah. and it and it has made generations of fans over the decades that it's been in existence, and still has young fans and old fans today. Did you? Did you watch the video I sent you? I have not. The uh, Lost City. Why do I bother? Though I, I'm busy. Uh, I look. That doesn't. That's not me saying you're a terrible person. That's me saying I understand you're busy. Okay. And consequently, I should not send you things. You can send me all the. I, you can send me things. I will watch them in my less busy times. Uh, the Lost uh-huh. City stayed at number three. Everything, everywhere, all at once, which I've heard is fantastic. I think had its wide release finally. Because uh, yeah, it went up nine hundred and seventy uh, theaters. It's in a it's in a theater. It's in one of my local theaters, and you know so, I live. So I'm waiting for that to go PVOD, so we can review it with After Yang. That jumped from six to four. Father Stew, which Pat saw over the weekend, allegedly debuted at number uh, of five. Of course, he did. Morbius, Morbius, <laughs> Morbius. Let's all hold hands and take this trip together. Oh, you're an embarrassment to film, Sony. The, the Sony executives are the toys at the end of Toy Story 3, facing down the incinerator, just holding hands and praying that the Marvel Claw bails them out. Good God, Morbius. Um, Should have fallen further. Uh, speaking of bombs, Ambulance fell from four to seven. The Batman, oh. <laughs> Warner, Warner Brothers' big exciting press release of the weekend. Hey, the Batman crossed 750 million. Yes, but what about your new movie, The Secrets of Dumbledore? What now? <laughs> was yeah, the, was what the press release said. Warner Brothers has did not look for all the other issues this movie had. Warner Brothers did not do a great job in the marketing of this thing. That also needs to be said. So Batman fell from fell to five to eight. Um, it's going to drop a lot further. It's now available on HBO Max. It certainly is, Ollie. So I think it's and you owe me at least one shiny nickel. I do. I thought it was going to make a billion, and it petered out. You know which. Goes to show you, if you're trying to make a movie, you know, unless it's Endgame, if you want a movie to make a billion dollars, you've got to do it in less than three hours. It has to have high turnover rate in, in the theater. I think that's I think that's the biggest part of what killed this Batman, to be honest. Helps the, it also helps yeah. to have... 30, 30 freaking minutes of uh, previews. Yeah. It, it, it definitely helps. It also helps to have a movie that has rewatch value. And I'm not so sure the Batman has a tremendous amount of it as further borne out by the box office returns. Yep. Uh, something called KGF Chapter 2 debuted at number nine. It was only a foreign uh, gross there from Viva Pictures. Uncharted fell from seven to ten. And rounding out the top 20 are Spider-Man still making money in the theaters, even though I think it's PVOD now. 
Dog at number 12. X, the uh, the, the horror movie about the porn shoot that, that Sean and I will be reviewing in the future. So uh, the documentary. Yes. No, it's a documentary of DMX. X going to give it to you. I hope. Dual debut at number four. That's a, you now turned it into a zombie movie, so good job. <laughs> Sing 2 at number 15. Selena was re-released for some strange reason. Because Jennifer uh, Lopez. The uh, Number 16, Waterman 17, Mothering Sunday 18, Paris 13th District from IFC Films. Ooh. Debuted at 19 and rounding out the top 20 is Death on the Boredom. Also debuting this weekend were We're All Going to the World's Fair at number 23, The Tale of Robert's Dancing. Or wait, that's the tale of King Crab at uh, 29. Crab dance. And that is the weekend that was. Where we stand worldwide. No shock here. The number one movie in the world and still didn't meet its projected uh, earnings. The Batman. Hey, this thing barely crossed the $750 million mark, which, to be clear, relative to its budget, is a success. This is a financially successful movie. Here's what I'm going to tell you. Its foreign take is not what it should have been. You, re- I think it made less than fucking Warcraft. Yeah, it foreign. didn't do very good. It's a no. very American film. And I think that... I, I, I have a bit of a... I don't have the time or the inclination at the moment to go through this. But I do wonder about the foreign appeal of Batman as an IP, just as a thought. That is, that would be an interesting uh, thought uh, thought exercise and discussion for a different podcast. Maybe go on uh, Jeff's Jeff Sloboda's MCU's Burning Desires, Bleeding Edge, that's what it's called. And you can have that conversation with him. I think he has a new guest host every Friday night. You should pitch it to him, Robert. Mark. Go spread your, go spread your wings. Mark. Hang on, let me look at you. Yes, my love. You've been on that particular podcast, have you not? Uh, many times. So how it, was do you th- it was Jesse. How do you think that would go? Awesome. It would be wildly entertaining for me. Yeah. <laughs> I, would en- I would enjoy it. Uh, Robert just blinked help. Um, anyway, let's that's move not, on. No, that's not help. <laughs> <laughs> get, get the tables. Uh, Watergate Bridge at number two. Uncharted. Uh, petering out at 389 million. Sonic the Hedgehog currently at 235. Too cool to do kill. We know, I, I, hang on. Idle curiosity. Do we know when Sonic is going to wind up on digital? Um, and which platform? Well, I think on. everybody at this point has migrated to the 45 day window. I imagine. So, okay. Do you know then where it's going to wind up? Uh, what was Sonic? Uh, was Sonic Sony? No. Yes, maybe. Uh, that or Paramount. Uh, I think you, I think it might have been Paramount. If it's Paramount, it's going to go to it's, it goes to Paramount Plus, which is a moderately more of a streaming service than Peacock. <laughs> okay, moving. It's expected to go to Paramount Plus. Okay, there we go. Thank you, Amber. It's uh, still a it's still a lesser streaming service. So, okay. All right. Um, too cool to kill at number five. Nice view at number six. Fantastic Beast. Um, landing on the board at number seven, unless it makes significantly more money, it's not staying in the top ten with everything coming up over the summer. Um, Morbius, it'll climb up. It'll, it'll climb a bit before it's done, but I would be surprised if okay. it does stick around in the top ten by the time the year is over. Real quick, Doctor Strange, May sixth. Um, Doctor Strange, May sixth. 
uh, Top, Gun, <laughs> Top Gun Maverick, May 27th. Uh, not all of these are going to be winners. Uh, Jurassic World. There we go. Jurassic World, June 10th. I, Lightyear. I... Hang on. Lightyear, June 17th. Um, I don't think Elvis or the Black Phone is going to be a big deal. But Minions, The Rise of a Billion Dollars will be July 1st. You keep saying that, and I keep saying I will take I will take most of those bets, and I will rob you blind. Uh, Thor, Love and Thunder. Um, and then, and then by that point, the summer's over. Okay. Can I just, can I just say, I'm just saying a lot of those are going to be, are going to be taking spots in the top 10 is my only, yeah, they are. You're entirely correct. And I think this probably will end outside the top 10. Mm -hmm. So I saw a trailer for the Jurassic world movie. Yeah. In front of this. Yep. I'm so excited about that movie. I have no idea. <laughs> I I love that flipping. I love the that. That's going to be the next time you're on the show, Amber. I wanted to burn down the theater. That's right, Amber. It's going to be on the Jurassic World one. Oh, I can't wait for this. I I, I love Jurassic Park. Just as much as I do Harry Potter, probably. I I love Jurassic Park. I really do. I was a dinosaur. I was a dinosaur enthusiast when I was a small child when it came out. I have vivid memories of that movie. I went to go see it when it re-released in 3D because I love it that much. The Jurassic World trilogy has been a cheap, nostalgia-riddled con I, job. Let me let me go ahead and say this without getting into an argument with you about a movie we're not reviewing currently. I love Jurassic World. We reviewed it. I said it at the time. It is exactly what I wanted from a Jurassic Park movie. I wanted dinosaurs to tear apart a working, breathing, living theme park, and that's what I got. I did not need to see any more of those characters or this idea. Like, you gave me my Jaws 3 with dinosaurs. I'm happy. Go away now. And they were like, no, a billion dollars. No, here's Fallen Here's Fallen Kingdom, one of the worst written movies you will ever find. A what nonsense riddle. What is Jurassic Park but a haunted house? <laughs> Which we don't even get to for two for like half the movie. Yeah. Oh god. I, uh, and this is going to be. Hey, remember all those characters you used to like? Let's just piss all over them. All right, let's uh, move this not, on. Oh, and the and the Thor Love and Thunder trailer. Just I don't. I, let's just, don't don't. Oh, okay, no, no, no. I, okay, no, no, not that. I've got a genuine bold prediction here. I think you merged it in. You don't think Thor is going to do a billion dollars? This is nothing to do with Thor. Okay. I don't think I can be objective enough about that to make a legitimate prediction at the moment, so I'm going to sit I, on that. I agree with you. I think Maverick's going to bomb. I don't I mean, know. I can see that. I can Here, see it. I, I, ha I have only anecdotal evidence to support my current theory. I work with a bunch of cops. All the cops are excited for Top Gun Maverick. And if cops are excited, I bet... I bet <sighs> I bet firefighters are excited. And if firefighters are excited, I bet construction workers are excited. I bet I, men, men, men who with men with penises, men with hairy chests and pecs well, and abs hang on. and dad bods are all excited for Top Gun Maverick. Let, let me let me fully make my case here. About men I, with penises? I think it's going to have a good opening week. Uh-huh. I, I really do. I don't think it has legs. Mm -hmm. I think we're going to spend most of this movie making Maverick look weak. Probably. So that we can I, Miles Teller. It has Miles Teller, which is the kiss of death. 
Nothing Jason, with Miles Teller is any good. Jason, I don't, I don't know what... need Miles Teller to be Goose's son for your crappy wannabe drama attached to what should be something entirely different. Miles Teller's been part of the worst things I've ever watched. He does is that, the common does denominator. Does not include Refn? It does. <laughs> Jason, you Dude, keep trying to... I watched the four... Shut stick. up for a second, Jason! <laughs> I'm excited for Maverick because I'll be on that show. Oh I'm... <laughs> I I have I have a whole bottle of special lotion for myself after I watch the show that I lather myself up with. Are we gonna be you just pants? Are you gonna be pantsless on that show, Jason? I I will probably be pantsless in a thong, maybe. Okay. Just wanna just wanna know what the dress Banana is. Hammock. Banana yeah. hammock. We're gonna we're gonna Dennis Dennis Hallman in this shit. If I, if I, if you right. do it, I'll do that, it. I will. That, I will I absolutely. A, you, no one gets that reference but me, Mark. <laughs> I don't get Dennis Hallman, everybody. I've, I, you know, wasn't there a more recent podcast where I actually put up a picture of him? I, I know oh, on no. some show I did this recently. I did that joke where I, I referenced Dennis Hallman and I had to put up a picture of him. Might have been one Andrew was on. Um, because he, because I remember him laughing at it. Anyway, well, he would get the joke. Yeah, he would. Um, so yeah, just looking at the calendar um next week uh this week coming up is the northman the bad guy i'm excited about the northman i, I'm, yes. I can't wait to watch the that northman movie. looks fucking mint um as all the white boys would say but yeah this week <laughs> is uh the bad guys the northman and the unbearable weight of massive talent which is the nick cage playing nick cage movie that actually um, looks so fun. <laughs> I, I think the Nick Cage movie or the bad guys ends up being the number one movie of the weekend, knocking Fantastic Beasts out. And then there's nothing the 29th of any value to, to my recollection. And then she turned on the buzzsaw is Doctor Strange. Um, Firestarter's a non-starter. That's going to be day and date on Peacock. I, I stumbled over this because the we were last talking time about... Peacock's not a streaming service. <laughs> I, I stumbled over this because I, I was looking at um, I don't. I think Downton Abbey, which tickets are on sale for that now, they're, I guess they're expecting a big crowd for this. I think it'll win its weekend. I don't know how much Downton Abbey like cuts into the Fantastic Beasts crowd. Um, and then Top Gun Maverick comes out on the 27th, along with Bob's Burgers, the movie. So by the time we get to the end of May, uh, Fantastic Beasts probably clocks in at about 500 million, I think, 500, 500 or 600 million. It's going to struggle to get there, but I think it probably does cross that particular line. Yeah. All right, that is the money. Let us move on to the next segment here, the critical <laughs> review. Are you ready? No! I said, are you ready? No, God! No, God, please, no! 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 The critical review is brought to you by Grammarly. For you listeners of Damn You Hollywood, Grammarly is offering a free download of the Grammarly software. Grammarly's AI-powered products help people communicate more effectively. Grammarly helps you write mistakes free on mis what? Uh, Gmail. Finish your ad read. Fin uh, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and nearly anywhere else you write on the web. Grammarly corrects hundreds of grammar, punctuation, spelling mistakes while also catching contextual errors, improving your vocabulary, and suggesting style improvements. To download Grammarly today, go to getgrammarly.com slash W2M network. Again, that's grammarly.com slash W2M network to download Grammarly for free. Yes, sir. Just trending on Twitter. 
Yes. Ezra Miller has been arrested for alleged second-degree assault in Hawaii weeks after he was arrested for alleged disorderly conduct and harassment. Yeah. Me and I, DJ I, Penn have got to stop hanging out together. <laughs> <laughs> my, uh, my, my understanding is that the... Uh, I, I saw the Ezra Miller thing break earlier today, as a matter of fact. Um, I mean, I, you guys said it before. This movie's a little on the snake bit side, but again, the cat's out of the bag. It's already in the theaters. Like, how many people? Are like, oh my god, he got arrested. Well, I'm not seeing it now. I, I, I just, I can't. That feels like a disconnect to me. Well, again, this one will be. The previous one, I think, I think contributed. All right, uh, fantastic piece of sequence of Dumbledore. Uh, the critics hated it. The crowds seemed to be like Amber and just thought it was a dandy movie. Uh, fantastic piece of sequence of Dumbledore avoids. Some of the pitfalls that plagued its predecessor, but lacks much of the magic that drew audiences into the Wizarding World uh, many movies ago, which is what I said. Um, the critics came out at it forty-eight percent. Yeah, we just, you just, I think we had a disagreement about what the, that particular magic was, but. Um, and then the audience score was eighty-five percent. All right, Amber, this is fun. Are you ready to have fun? Yeah. Okay, so Amber. Um, should I read should I read the rotten reviews or should I read the uh, the fresh reviews? Which ones which one do you think has the more likely chance of driving Robert into apoplexy? Probably the fresh ones. Okay. Uh, but, we just, but we just find all the top critics. Let's just start there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. These idiots. All right. So top critics that are also fresh here. Um, or do, or do you just want me to do just top critics just down the line? No. Eh, let's just start. Let's just start with the top critics and right. whether or not they said splatter. All right, fair enough. Tim Cogshell of Filmy, KPCC, CCCCCADD, D minor, FFFFFGGGG7. Sing it with me, Jason. Stop What's playing Stop. on the radio. NPR, Los Angeles, top critic. To my mind, such as it is, the movie needs to be entertaining on its own. These movies are not. They're displays of wizardry, if you forgive the pun. Yeah, I'm not going to forgive that pun. You work for NPR. Can we punch uh, him he, in the face? He, hang on. He's got a little bit of a point in the, in the following way. One of the downsides to, ser to serialized film is if you've missed any of them, you know, how much am I going to struggle to catch up and follow? And if you're making trilogies or quadrilogies or what have you, this is something you have to keep in mind. There's a degree to which they need the films need to stand on their own, somewhat absent what came before them. And it's a tricky balance to strike, and I don't think this movie nails that particular balance. But if your argument is these movies are, you know, shallow and hollow and just, hey, technical wizardry, get bent. All right. Can, uh, go ahead, Jason. Can I can I can I pick one for you to read? You can I you can, but can I do my bit here first, and then you can you can tell me what the next one is? Okay. Okay. Uh, we got Robert... two of them right next to each other. <laughs> I bet you it's know... the one I was going to pick. Yeah, yeah, you know, I think you know where I'm going with this. But first, but first, uh, yet another uh, person from Robert's family, his uncle James Berardinelli, for real views spelled R E E L. Do you get it, Amber? Do you get it? Real R E E L. Real. <laughs> do you get it? Top critic. It's time to bid farewell to Dumbledore and his associates, students, protégés, and enemies. Can, I can't say cast words on here. <laughs> Please. No, I've cursed at least three times. You're fine. You're married to me. <laughs> Can we just do this? <laughs> 
F you. <laughs> yeah. Whoever you are. Yeah, buddy, you, don't you need do your not input. Go on, move on to something else. We don't we don't like this guy, whoever his name is Jake. Amongst the imagined family that Mark has constructed for me of film critics. <laughs> Even this jackass is the black sheep. Like, who the hell are you to speak for the masses, sir? No. No. Moreover, there's plenty of good stories to be told here. You can criticize this film without, while also acknowledging that the IP itself is still rich and fertile ground for anything like this. But no... This guy's tired of Harry Potter movies. Therefore, we must bid farewell to all things that bring joy to people to service his particular ego. Even I'm not that self-centered, and I yell about a bunch of these movies. But I'm not in denial or in any way confused about why they're successful. All right, next one. Um, okay, Jason, you, you said you wanted me to do one, so just tell me which one you want me to do. I want you to do Robert's Strange Uncle, Kevin Carr. No, no, that's not his estranged uncle. That's the fat ass we bully on this show. This is the nerd I shove into a locker each and every week. And I'm glad, I'm fucking glad you pointed that out, Jason, because that is the one I was going to read next. This fucking asshole, Kevin Carr, a fat guy at the movies with his brilliant point, says, this one has more of a plot than the other two films, and that's a huge plus. And I can see Russia from my house. Okay. <laughs> of all the things you could have said about this movie, it does not have more of a plot than, the, than Fantastic Beasts. It just doesn't. That's got a much more concise plot. Kevin much more Carr is language. a human traumatic brain injury. All right? <laughs> <laughs> this... This, I don't this know guy. <laughs> this guy. Funny. This guy like had like had a brain transplant and someone lost the organ and just put a brick in there. Jesus, oh, Mary and Joseph. So, so what what was the brain you got for me again, Igor? Uh, that, that's <laughs> Abby, that's not ha Abby that's Abby not Hans Delbruck's name brain, is it? <laughs> so who's the, whose brain did I put in there? Abby, someone. Abby, someone. Abby, normal. <laughs> Telling me I put an abnormal brain into a seven foot tall, 500 pound gorilla? Is that what you're telling me? You good? Thanks. Uh, Look, Robert, Robert grandfather. grandfather. Yes, you're Robert's grandfather. <laughs> Joe, Not my grandfather. <laughs> fighting Joe Morgenstern. Fight. <laughs> <laughs> This guy runs the other way from heavy traffic, and you're trying to give him a fight. Punchy Joe Morgenstern of the Wall Street Journal says, oh, I, I like Glass Joe. <laughs> Glass Joe there we go. Okay, I'm That's keeping going. It. Robert's oh. grandfather, Glass Joe Morgenstern of the Wall Street <laughs> Journal says, See, Amber, we're having fun. Uh, we're supposed to be witnessing an epic battle between good and evil, but it's a contest between energy and entropy, and entropy carries the dreary day. Uh, I get what he's trying to say here. And unfortunately, you're trying to un unfairly extrapolate a point about the movie into a point about the way the film is put together. And it's just a little bit weak. And just as another point... Energy and entropy 
I'm not sure those are the terms I would have used here, and I'm not entirely certain that those are the best opposites in the conception of physics that you could have put, pulled together. Allison, <laughs> Will, Allison Wilmore of New York Magazine Vulture, top critic. That terrible, terrible, terrible publication. No Robert's one involved. Interest. No, 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 no. Don't do. Don't. Mark has for me. Mark has hooked me up already. Yeah. Oh, okay. I've, I have him promised. I have, I have Robert betrothed to Lola Lamb Chops for a tract of land. So and you know and peace between our kingdoms. So don't you get involved in that? No, 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 no. It's not worth that much. We both know <laughs> she came to you as the matchmaker, and you said, "Oh, how petty can I be?" <laughs> I, I have this troll that I keep in the basement since 2012. You want him? <laughs> At which point they, at which point they pray for the Nazi Germans to invade and spare them from it. <laughs> so now we've dovetailed into Fiddler on the Roof. Yes, if I were a rich man, no one involved in these movies seems to have any idea what their appeal is supposed to be. Oh, get bent! <laughs> That's a ridiculous statement to try and make about these. Like of all the things you could have said negatively about this film, pretending that everyone involved doesn't understand these movies. Like, I've got issues of execution. That doesn't mean that the people involved don't understand it. It means there were issues. That's not the same thing as coming from a place of pure ignorance, unlike your review, which does. Matt Conway of Battle Royale with Cheese. Gotta have a cheese. That's a real thing, Amber. Battle Royale <laughs> with Cheese. I read this quite often. He does this because he wants, because Mark desperately wants to be on Rotten Tomatoes, and he looks at a bunch of these people and goes, "How? Yeah, why has God forsaken me?" Um, the speaking of which, the sequence of Dumbledore succumbs to the errors of its predecessors. That's not very helpful. (laughs) What'd you say, Amber? Get bent. Hey, speaking of get, hang on. Speaking of get bent, Doug Walker. Of Channel Awesome. <laughs> oh, here we go. <laughs> here's a guy who's just, here's a guy besides Cody Rhodes who just has a neck for punching. If you don't like Fantastic Beasts in your Fantastic Beasts movie, then this is the film for you. I hope your brother sodomizes you with an iron, Doug Walker. <laughs> oh my God. Christ Mark, almighty. You have frequently told me to stop threatening people. I didn't threaten him. I'm oh, saying you I just. Hope- Okay, so me saying I hope someone So so me saying I hope someone goes and plays in traffic and Uh you saying I hope his brother sexually assaults him I mean, I can't help what his brother does (laughs) I'm not in charge of how his brother behaves Hold on Can you confirm or deny his brother isn't capable of sexually assaulting his other brother? Hang on, just for the record Uh Uh-huh there's no way he has siblings. This guy reads his only <laughs> child. I think thinking... critics and themselves are probably people who don't have any, you know, brothers. I've got three brothers. <laughs> I was going to say. Um, all right. A couple more of these. and then we'll David Fear. Read David Fear because I want to see Amber's head explode. You got it. Uh, so we'll do this one and then we'll do Amy Nicholson because I hate her too. Uh, David, David Fear of Rolling Stone, that vaunted uh, magazine. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. So what does this have to do with music again? Uh, we served with Harry Potter. We knew Harry Potter. He was a friend of ours, Robert Winfrey. And you, Newt Scamander, are no 
no Harry Potter. I mean, oh my gosh. <laughs> I just want to rip through this picture here and oh, like. Do you uh, see why we do this bit now, Amber? I hate that guy. <laughs> she's, she's putting her Yay. hair up. She's like I'm, trying to fight him. I'm she's putting her hair up like she's going to fight him. One to go on Twitter as a convert. He's got a hit. I mean, he's got a. New Scamander is my favorite freaking character. Kiss my ass. Go away. We don't need your two cents. And for the record, buddy, if you are incapable of moving on from one main character to another, the MCU is about to be hell for you, I imagine. I knew Tony Stark. I served with Tony Stark. And you, Riri Williams, are no Tony Stark. Which is true. Amy Nicholson, who's that annoying girl that hangs out with a bunch of nerds who think she's cool, from the New York Times, top critic. Amy Nicholson. The former newspaper. Amy Nicholson, the kind of girl who they like to have her around because who doesn't like a set of boobs, but everyone secretly wants to punch her right in said boobs. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Amy. Jason, you're not going to be allowed to play with me anymore after this, are you? (laughs) Your your wife's going to forbid me from playing with you. Hey now, nah. as long as you bring the Jergens. <laughs> Speaking of Jergens, Amy Nicholson of New York Times, top critic. I heard, I heard what I assume is very dry skin around the elbows and back of the neck. <laughs> An alternate subtitle could be totalitarianism for tights. Wow, this movie says that this movie says fascism is bad. Consequently, I think it's good, regardless of all of its craft flaws, regardless of all, because I understand this proper, when people complain about virtue signaling, this is the shit they mean. (laughs) This is what they mean. This has nothing to do with contemporary politics. There's a very clear, distinct, there's a very clear parallel between Grindelwald and Hitler. Sure. That's been evident from the very first time it was discussed in the books that Grindelwald existed, was German, and came to power in the 1930s. There's no mystery here. You didn't stumble on some great truth. That's an incomplete sentence. Everything you just said, you dumb bitch. (laughs) You are welcome to add that addendum if you feel so inclined. Tell you what, I will will end my next next response in an ellipsis, and you can finish it. All right. And that's the... Uh, no, he, he really wanted to say, see you next Tuesday. <laughs> and when I say you dumb bitch, that's our sign that this show is now over. Um, <laughs> we, you know we, what? We, People used to, the New York Times used to be a publication that held respect, esteem. That was a hundred years ago. It was the gold standard of journalism and integrity. And now it's a former newspaper populated by Knucklehead Row. Like, you <laughs> idiots. Well, Amber, did you have a great time in our in our I little did. circle here? Very much a lot of fun. I'm I'm glad. I'm we're excited to have you back uh in a few months to watch uh Robert cry about the Jurassic Park franchise. Um <laughs> while you I'm... sit there and say, It was wonderful. I'm so happy to be here. Dinosaurs, yay, and Robert shoots himself on camera. I will not that <laughs> franchise at this point in time does not even deserve my protest suicide. <laughs> Perfect. Well, when it when we find one that does, let me know so I can make sure I live stream it. Um, Amber. Yes. 
I hear you do a podcast. We talked about it almost an hour and 40 minutes ago. Please do your <laughs> plugs wherever they can find you and all of that. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Amber Teasley one and um, our podcast is home is where Hallmark is. You can find it on the chair shop network and I co-host with my friend Liz. Liz, who is a frequent uh, player and uh, guest, not guest, but a, uh, she likes to do come to our wrestling live stream. She has a lot of fun with us. So <laughs> we enjoy Liz. Liz is great. Liz can't Good make luck. it to a podcast. I've invited her to, to save her life, but we enjoy her when she shows up in the, co in the comments for the live stream. So, you know, Liz is 50, 50 with me, uh, but I do enjoy your, your home is where the Hallmark show is. I've listened to many of those episodes. Don't lie. Yeah. He's not lying. No, I have, I have absolutely lately, listened. I've absolutely listened to him. I mean, they're not us. We're fucking awesome. But you guys are fine. You're, you're a little podcast. You, you, you've done more than I have because I've never listened to him. <laughs> nice. Very and I'm married to her. <laughs> well, I don't listen to yours either. I hear enough see, of you. See, that's, that's right. Anyway, this, thank the, you. this is the problem with trying to get family to listen to your podcast. They hear you all the time anyway. They've heard these. They've yeah. heard these arguments. They've heard these discussions. They don't care. Which means you have to now try and get strangers to, and that's just the worst. Well, just do what I do. Just grab people's phones while you're at work and sign them up for the podcast and throw it back at them in disgust. Yeah, um, yeah, but, then, yeah but then how many of them have to have those cell phones confiscated because you gave them to inmates? None of them. I don't give away contraband. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> that face. <laughs> for the audio-only listeners, Mark made a very distinctive face after he said that. I have, a very, I have a very distinctive face, and more importantly, I have a very sexy voice, the ladies tell me, here in the Tampa Bay area. Anyway, speaking of purring, thank you for coming on, Amber. We certainly enjoyed you thank here, you and you're welcome back me. anytime. Thank you for having me. And Hedwig. <laughs> Perfect. Hey, Jason, I hear you do fantasy football. No, not anymore. Oh my god. No. Okay. No. How about, fa no, how about yeah. fantasy baseball since that season finally got started? Yeah, I, I am actually doing my first fantasy baseball season. I'm sucking at it. But hey, it's baseball. Uh they needed somebody. Um uh, shout out to Evan Bevins. Um but yeah, uh you catch me and uh Ty doing the cheap seats. Right now we are currently working our way through an actual two-round mock draft uh, in preparation of the NFL draft that will happen next week. So this show will drop by the end. So uh, who do you have the Jaguars taking? The Jaguars? Uh, Jaguars, then, if you prefer. Jaguars? Uh, with the number one overall pick? Yeah. Uh, I or do they trade going... the number one overall pick because of the Jacksonville Jaguars? And that's I, have a, I have them taking because I actually – picked for them. I have them taking Aiden Hutchinson uh, out of Michigan. Okay. Hey, well, what's Jason, what's the next thing you're on, actually? Um, here uh, is would be Maverick, I believe, is the next show that I'm on here. Yes, I had to switch you. the date for that because we're going glamping the weekend that that comes out, so we're going to delay that a week. We will be reviewing it June 7th. Um, right here, I got, your, I got your list right here. So, Jay, you can follow Jason here June 7th on Top Gun, Top Gun Maverick. Uh, Jason yes. Fortune with his lovely wife for Jurassic World Dominion. Jason and I are going to be reviewing the HBO uh, miniseries Damn. on the 23rd, Winning Time, Rise of the Lakers. Uh, because Jason insisted on it, we will be reviewing The Black Phone June 28th. Ooh, Jason, looking forward uh, to that one. Jason threw himself into the, uh, the Halo series, which we're going to review on July 11th. And then J because Jason insisted upon it, we on August 29th, we will be doing a long road to ruin. Just he and I, no Sean Comer. We will be oh. doing Anaconda. 
because you don't want none unless you got buns on. Uh, and on the 18th, we're doing a TV party tonight, Resident Evil. Correct. No. What? Oh, did I just not put your name in that yet? It's on my calendar. Hang on. You got me added, you got me added on it. Hang I on. You, I think you probably moved the Resident Evil TV party around because this is what Mark does with the schedule. Hang on. Uh, Everyone it, shut the fuck up. Let me look at and see what's going on. Oh, yeah. Why didn't you? Why didn't? Oh, you know what? I didn't put your name in the comments. That's why. Except because you forgot about me, damn it. No, your email's in there, you sissy pants. I just didn't put your name in the comments. You, you, don't, you don't get to say that. I'm the only one Mark's legitimately forgotten about adding to a podcast. <laughs> but, that's but, not wrong. But, no, no, wait. My, I forgot to favorite, add Dave, too. But my favorite podcast upcoming is coming September 26th. Which one's that? Because I just shut the window. That is our triple feature of Death Proof, Planet Terror, and Hobo with a Shotgun. That's right. Wow. <laughs> it's going to be a fun one. You're going to... Dude, Hobo with a Shotgun is rough. Well, for Jason, I will I will take it rough. <laughs> um. Anyway. Hey, we have a Discord that I've been told to tell people about. Let me quick talk about that before we, uh, we end things for the night. <laughs> Uh, the Discord link is in the description of this podcast. It's uh, discord.gg slash a bunch of letters and numbers. Please go there. We are interactive, I've been told. We, <laughs> we, if you go in there as a fan of the show and you want to make comments, if you're like Amber and you're like, you fucktards are way too critical, what, we, we agree with Amber. This movie rocks our socks right down in the box. And you guys complain too much, especially that Robert who gets no bitches. All of it needs to stop. If you true story, by the way, um, as confirmed Mark's, on TikTok, the, the only comment Mark has ever received on TikTok <laughs> was it is someone, glorious. Was someone saying that I do not attract members of the opposite sex, and <laughs> to which all I can say is, yeah, I don't subscribe to the notion of casual relationships the way that other people do i'm a religious individual hey what do you want me to do i, I hope you enjoy your various stds buddy <laughs> anyway yes this guy on tiktok said robert gets no bitches but he complained about cheaper by the dozen i laughed hysterically and had to share that with robert so um who is who's clearly taking it in stride in any case the point of all that is if you I, get, go I get significantly more upset about the people in the comment section of my wrestling who go boy i can tell from the first sentence this asshole wrote that he doesn't want to be here doing this like yeah it's my job i do things on occasion i'm not terribly thrilled about what do you expect <laughs> at which point robert virtually takes his pants off and throws his penis on the table and says anyone want to crack at it now That's listen. Not how I even <laughs> begin to visualize or conceptualize. Okay, I'm I'm out. I'm leaving on that one. <laughs> anyway, please join our Discord for more of Robert throwing his penis on the table and interaction featured anywhere on the actual server. <laughs> if you would like to interact with us, in all seriousness, folks, if I can be serious for a moment, um, that is that is where we are planning our podcast. That is where we are talking with people, and that is a great place to interact with us, ask us questions, make comments, etc. We all will be active. All of us there who contribute to these podcasts, Robert, especially myself, Jesse, uh, Jason, are happy to interact with you as you would on any of the various Discord servers. So please check, uh, join our Discord and be part of our little community here that we've created full of uh, fun and frolicking. 
Just Any go case. on there. Just go on there and just harass Robert <laughs> as much as possible. And also, if we get Pat Mullen on there, just you always, uh, always just send Pat stuff. Pat and yeah. Robert. If you could, send, if you could send Pat a lot of stuff from the LGBTQ community, he'd really appreciate it. Um, <laughs> Why would you do that, Mark? Why would you lie to people? <laughs> Hi, I'm Mark. Have we met? In any case, uh, why didn't you go into politics? Why haven't you run for office, by the way? Because I worked in porn. Um, (laughs) At at what point is that a disqualifier in your state at this point in time? It's true. I could be the mayor of Toronto. Um, In any case, we also have a YouTube. Please like and subscribe. And of course, wherever you found this audio, if you happen to have found it by accident, if you haven't already subscribed, please do. (laughs) If you slipped. If you were looking for something else and the path beneath your feet eroded and you tumbled down that 500-foot cliff, much like The Rock did in the rundown, and you landed down here with us, we welcome you with open arms. And please like and subscribe on whatever audio medium podcast catcher that you are currently using. And hey, if you have a comment or a suggestion or uh, whatever, please leave one. Keep it to your damn self. And shut up, Jason, and uh, leave us a rating. With that said... um, the rest of what we're doing this week real quick yesterday myself and sean comer uh reviewed valerian and the city of a thousand planets john Oof. carter and barbarella Oof. uh also because the bad guys is this week we have been re-airing all of our DreamWorks stuff that we did so robert and i did a long road to ruin for madagascar uh yeah robert, that was something robert jason and i reviewed how to train your dragon 2 and kung fu panda 3 both of those are up. Tomorrow is the anniversary of the Deepwater Horizon disaster uh, from BP during the Obama administration. Oh, you mean the actual disaster, not the movie? Well, that too. Um, Which is also kind of a disaster. <laughs> so the actual anniversary of the disaster is tomorrow. We are honoring said disaster by re-releasing our review of the Deepwater Horizon movie starring Mark Wahlberg. Uh, That's the- all you need to know to know that it's not good. It stars Mark Wahlberg. In the evening times, we will be reviewing Ghost Impera. Um, and then tomorrow, uh, Thursday, myself and Alexis Hanna are reviewing Green Eggs and Ham, the second serving. And then myself and David Wright will be reviewing Star Trek Lower Decks. Um, for those who were expecting us to do a live stream last week of the Spence Eugenius uh, uh, Ugas fight, um, I was at a club with my wife. I won't tell you what kind of club, that's my own business. But I was at a club. And, a, turkey, uh, a turkey sandwich? Uh, there were lots of turkey sandwiches getting plucked. That's the kind of club it was. Lots of turkey okay. sandwiches. Lots of turkeys getting plucked and stuffed. Anyway, okay. I was at, I was at I a club all night. More than, a, more than a little bit of basting. Oh, there was a lot of basting. Oh, so much basting. Um, and you could and you could tour the kitchen and watch various turkeys being basted and plucked, if you wish, uh, and cooked. Or you could actually participate in said cooking of turkeys. Has Mark mentioned that he worked in porn? <laughs> <laughs> I wrote, I wrote marketing. I just wrote marketing. Um, in any case, you had I mean, a, you had a nickname, buddy. That's more like by the time <laughs> someone gives you a nickname, it's a bit more like you don't, you don't get to just back. You were not in an office somewhere writing ad copy. You were there. I was. I, I watched this Christy myth emerged from that. Never mind. Anyway, um... <laughs> you did too. That's the, like that's the sad thing. He's not that joking. Is true, that is a true story. Anyway, uh, as I was trying to say, we were out late Saturday, um, enjoying ourselves, and I did not get home in time for the Spence fight. But I will this weekend be doing a live stream by Hooker by Crook 
or Tyson Fury versus Dillian White. For the record, Spence, once he turned that on, he beat the crap out of I haven't watched it yet. Shut up. You know how it ends. You've seen you've heard of the ending, haven't you? I no, I've like maintained radio okay, silence. I'm, I don't know what happened. Okay, here's all I'm gonna tell you. Yeah. There's a moment in I think it's the fifth or the sixth. Yeah. Where Spence gets rocked. Okay. After that moment, until the end of the fight. He outlands Uga, Spence outlands Ugas by more than, uh, a ratio of like more than eight to one. Nice. Strikes. Cool. Like well, just... I, <sighs> I'm going to try to watch it this weekend when I get some time to like catch up on TV. In any case, we are, do, we are in fact doing, if I, if I never do another live stream again with the way my life is going, I'm probably not. Um, we will at least be doing, I'm going out on a bang with Tyson Fury versus Dillian White. So uh, that'll be me and Dan Lasby this weekend. From London town. Um, oh, and you guys get a good fight. I have to cover the UFC event. <laughs> yeah, you poor bastard. All right, speaking of co- speaking of covering the UFC, go ahead, Robert. Do it real quick and let's get out of here. Uh, yeah, I cover uh, MMA for 411mania.com. Oh, usually only the UFC occasionally. If there's a really big card from another promotion, I will do so. But this last week was UFC on ESPN 30-something. Four? Six? I don't know. Sounds good. It was headline. It was headlined by Bilal Muhammad and Vicente Luque, uh, sort of having a fight for five rounds. It was not a good card. But if you want to know what happened and spare yourself the pain of watching a fourteen fight event, not a joke. Fourteen fights. Uh, a lot of decisions. God, it was an over six hour event. Now that I think about it, uh, it's in the MMA Zone of four one one mania dot com. You can look it up get my scoring, get my thoughts. It's all there. Uh, this week will be UFC on ESPN plus 60... 60 something... Three. It's headlined by Amanda Lemos and Jessica Andrade, and it's kind of all downhill from there. <laughs> Chase Sherman's coming back. This will be his third time returning to the UFC because heavyweights. <laughs> Oy. Uh, but I'll be covering it, so stop by, say hello. That's all done live over in the MMA Zone of 411mania.com. I cover professional wrestling a few nights a week, AEW's Dark Elevation on Monday, MLW stuff on Thursday, WWE SmackDown on Friday, and occasionally I get called up to do other things because I am permanently on deck guy, and most of the time if someone asks, I will say yes. Uh, that's how I wound up here. <laughs> And if Mark ever asks, if Mark ever asks me to leave, I will probably say yes because I do. Whatever no. you're, you're, you're married to the the no, network. No, I will never ask you to leave. I will ask my wife to leave before I ask you to leave. Okay, <laughs> that's comforting and disturbing on so many levels. You ain't kidding, brother. All right, I'm never going to a turkey club with you. I'm just, I'm just saying it. No, we. I would take you on classy dates. I, I, I take. I would arise back there. To the turkey club i would never go on a date with you you say that i would i, I know would. Wait, are you Jason. are you i will well we have we have a whole thing set up wide brim hats and everything pimp walks yeah. down uh down universe what is it uh city walk city walk yeah i uh, as, you are going to record that you're going to put that on tiktok and i know and it's going to be great that's going to be it's, it's going to be the thing that makes me tiktok famous quick speaking of which hey amber get this right i'll send what? it to you so I'm at work, right? 
And now I'm known for on my breaks, going into the break room away from everybody else. I actually go to the private break room um, near uh, transfer release. And nobody goes into that break room. That's why I'm in there because I don't want to talk to the human beings. But I am on TikTok during that. And I tend to do a lot of like quick TikToks, like a lot of duets and stitches um, to kind of keep the feed the algorithm. And it was really, really, really slow yesterday. So I'm, I'm scrolling through TikTok on my phone and I see a really fun one to duet. So I did. It was talking about like men's mental health and depression. And, you know, and the girl goes, hey, what's your favorite trauma response? And she's really cutesy about it. And so, oh, my favorite trauma response is I'm fine. Everything's fine. It'll be fine. Right. Which is what mm -hmm. all women want to hear their men say. Now, here's the problem. About an hour later, I'm back in the break room again. Now, this is at my desk, mind you. Because I was bored and there was no there was nobody to place on an observation at the time. So I'm in I'm 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 talking with all my friends, right? I'm chatting away, watching TikTok, et cetera, et cetera. And I get a text from one of my bosses with the link to the TikTok <laughs> and an emoji with a frustrated woman putting her hand over her face. Hey asshole, you're not supposed to do TikToks at work. <laughs> And on that did note, did you say I was on my break? No, because you knew exactly where it was. You could see the printer in the background. <laughs> don't do TikToks at work. Not uh, well. Don't do TikToks when you're actually working. I can be in the break room and do them. And don't, and don't do have. them on the don't do them on the clock. Yeah, next time I'm going to turn around and face an inmate while I'm doing it. Like, <laughs> like have hey, them do it with you. Yeah, I'm going to have him duet with me. Hey, number 64209, let's, <laughs> how do you feel? I'm going to do, I'm going to do the TikTok trend where it's, you know, just two guys staring at each other. I'm going to be like, just a mental health professional and inmate staring at one another to more than a woman, <laughs> um, which is a TikTok trend. And now that I've said TikTok trend three times, it's time to end the show. For Amber Teasley of the Chair Shot Hallmark people, for Jason Teasley and uh, Tyler Louder with Crowder, and for Robert Winfrey, who gets no bitches, I'm Mark Rattledge. Be well, be safe, and behave.